morning, we continue our second last week going through uh, some of the parables of Jesus. So last week, uh, next week will be the last parable, then we enter into the season of Advent already. Now, as mentioned before, uh, parables are typically told by Jesus to shock people. And the parable that we're going to be reading from shortly, uh, from Luke 16, I I think it's fair to say that it gives most of us a bit of a shock, maybe even anxiety. Because in this parable from Luke 16, Jesus is using a dishonest manager to bring our attention to the kingdom of God on this earth. And we've got to question that, like, how can that be so? Most biblical scholars will agree that this is a difficult parable to understand. And I think this creates a tension for all of us. And I'll be honest, I wasn't looking forward to preaching this parable. But I figured if I skipped it, um, there'd be, it'd be somewhat obvious to those who are following uh, the book in their small groups, The Kingdom Equation, because that's the one you'd be studying this week. However, even though there is a dishonesty in this parable, we've got to remember that the source of this story is from Jesus. And we know that he would not be encouraging his people to be deceptive, so there's got to be more to it. So let's read this story from Luke chapter 16, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 15. Even though the parable is a smaller portion, and we're going to be focusing on the parable, I just want to uh, read, well, the, the latter part as well. So Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 15. Before we read from there, let's uh, pray. God, you're a good God, and uh, you will use good and bad to get your purposes and your will across to your people. So Lord, as we read this somewhat confusing parable, may your spirit open our hearts and minds to what you are again speaking to us through this dishonest manager and through this rich owner. And may through this parable we be able to see what you want to see transformed in our life today and how you call us to live our life for you and your kingdom on this earth today. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Well, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. And then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can, be trust, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is using a parable to teach us that people in this world are shrewd. The world is shrewd. Now, if you are shrewd, this is not the same as dishonest or malicious. Shrewd is conducting oneself in a sensible and prudent manner. Being wise in your affairs. People having wise and sensible judgment. And if people in this world have wise and sensible judgment... How much more should disciples of Jesus have wise and sensible judgment? However, not for themselves, but for the Lord and his kingdom. So Jesus tells a parable about a rich man and his manager. It was common for a rich man to hire a manager to oversee the property and the assets of the rich man or master. The manager was responsible for the assets, but he was not the owner of the assets. And as a manager, he was able to make decisions on the assets as if they were his own, but again, they're not his own. Now, this word for manager in this passage can also be translated as what Scripture often uses, the word steward. This guy was a steward. This manager, he was a steward of his master's resources. People are stewards of God's creation. We are stewards of all that we have. So it came to this master's attention that the manager was not quite on the up and up. And he was wasting his possessions. The manager was wasting his master's money. It wasn't that he was making unwise investment decisions, but rather he was dishonest with his master's money. And he could no longer be trusted. The master heard about him and perhaps did an audit of the books and the manager was caught and he was fired on the spot. The rich man did not have the manager arrested, but he lost his job and then he was required to hand in the books. This manager stood there silent and by his silence, in this case, this is his admission of guilt. It's an indirect confession of what he did. This behavior is important to understand because his behavior was not ordinary. His behavior is actually unimaginable to the people listening. In Middle Eastern culture, a dismissal such as this would automatically result in the employee standing there pleading his cause to the master. But this manager doesn't do that. In fact, he walks away without a word thinking, what's he going to do? And this would have been unheard of. And the listeners are probably thinking, well, what's really going on here? 
And they probably would have realized that there's more to the story, and he's probably scheming. And he had to get his scheme into motion very quickly. So this manager realizes that his skill set doesn't allow for him to dig ditches, and he doesn't want to have to beg for money. So he has this quick solution to this crisis. And perhaps he had this working in his mind already. Before anybody finds out that he's fired, he will make, make it that his master's debtors will remember him and maybe even hire him. As it says, welcome him into their homes. He'll be hired. The manager is concerned for his future, as we all are, of course. And he wants to ensure that his future is protected. Now, he is being greedy, he's being dishonest, he's being selfish. And he is deceptive by going to the customers, going to the debtors, and making it seem that he's still working for the master. Because if the debtors knew that he had been fired, they would not have come to him, and his plan would have failed. But he doesn't let on that he's been fired. And he asks for all the debtors to show their bills, and he makes adjustments to their bills. And these are substantial adjustments. The first example works out to be about three years of wages, and it's reduced by half. That's a lot. The second example works out to be about nine years of wages, and it's dropped by 20%. Almost two years worth of wages coming back into this guy's hands. So these are large amounts. Now, it's assumed that the manager, what he did was removed a portion of a markup. You see, according to Jewish law, it was not allowed, they, people were not allowed to charge interest to other Jews. So what often occurred in the business world is that the invoice that was made included a bit of a markup, not interest, but a markup for interest. So people were not really charged interest, they were just charged a higher product for the, a higher price for the product. So it's assumed that this manager took the people's bills and he removed the markup component of their bills. Which, in itself, you might think, well, that's good, and, but definitely creative. While people left his office super excited. I mean, they would have been so pleased with this manager. They're all excited, making an assumption for, that the manager must have talked to his master and that this all occurred legitimately. And they appreciated the master and mostly appreciated the manager for working on their behalf. This manager, this guy is great. The master, the rich man, eventually looks at the bills. And he sees that the debts have been reduced. And the debtors have already likely gone home sharing this exciting news and information, probably with their families and many more, because it's really great news. And so the master needs to just leave it alone for fear of spoiling everyone's joy and celebration and also ruining his own reputation. The master commends the manager for his quick judgment. The manager is commended for his wise and prudent manner. And you got to admit, this just seems strange. But in this parable, Jesus is not commending deception or dishonesty. But the parable 
is being compared to how important it is to be resourceful before it's too late. And so the master commended the manager for acting shrewdly, for being so resourceful, for being wise before it was too late. Again, shrewdly is having wise and sensible judgment. Matthew 10, verse 16, Jesus told his followers to be shrewd as snakes and yet innocent as doves. And here Jesus is commending the dishonest manager for acting shrewd. Now we know from many parts of Scripture we're not called to be sneaky. We're not called to be deceptive. We're not to be dishonest. But we are to be shrewd. He acted quickly and shrewdly. What the manager was doing in writing off the debts of the customers was ensuring their continued relationship with him. So yes, this parable includes a dishonest manager, but again, he was shrewd. And in this case, he was actually shrewd for himself. So as the story continues, as the parable continues, or the story rather, Jesus basically says in verse 8, if people in this world are shrewd with their own kind, how much more should people of the light be shrewd with God's resources that they have been entrusted with? So this parable gets us to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our master's possessions? Because we're all managers. We are all stewards. How are we doing in that compartment? Now this parable is clearly about money and financial stewardship. I mean, it talks about a rich man it refers to how the manager and the steward deals with his assets. And at the end of the story, in verse 13, Jesus specifically states, you cannot serve God and money. You have to choose one. But I think we can take this parable further. And we can challenge ourselves, not only with our money, but in all areas of life, all areas of stewardship. How are we dealing with all the assets that God has entrusted to us? What do we do with the resources and gifts that God, our Master, so generously provides us to use and benefit from? So how are we doing with our finances? What are we doing with our finances? What are we doing with our leadership skills? What are we doing with our teaching skills? What are we doing with our creative skills? What are we doing with the gospel message? How are we all contributing to growing the church, the body of Christ, and encouraging people in relationships with Jesus today? You know, we are often shrewd employees and shrewd employers in our workplaces and in our places of business. Jesus says this. He says people in the world are shrewd. We're wise. We're prudent. We're creative. We'll, be keep, we'll keep up with the latest technology and continuing education and, and, and all the current business practices. And when it comes to church and God's mission, God wants his people to also be shrewd in his kingdom. And we have to discern 
what that might look like today. As God's people, we're often called to make difficult decisions. And we're called to be wise, called to be prudent, called to be shrewd with the decisions, with the resources that we all manage for the kingdom. Finances, possessions, that includes God's word. Chuck Swindle stated in one of his sermons that ministries cannot become great. Ministries cannot become great without dreamers. Without dreamers who get tired of only maintenance year in, year out. We need more people who have the creativity and tenacity to break with boredom and to try the unusual. People, this is Swindle's quote. But he takes this from God's word. Calling followers of Jesus to be shrewd followers and disciples. We have so many resources at our disposal. And how many of those resources are we using for the church, using for the Lord, for the growing of his kingdom on this earth today? This parable hits close to home for me. Because I too, I have to ask myself, how much of my time or my money or my talents would I rather invest in other areas of my life or my family? And then the church will come second or third or somewhere down the line. Or what am I doing with the gospel message? How am I using that awesome resource, God's word, to lead people to Jesus Christ? Scripture says we have to choose whom we will serve. As verse 15 closes off, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. This is emphasizing how people are more concerned about their physical well-being, their social well-being, their economic well-being, and less about their spiritual well-being. More concerned about the future in God's world than in God's kingdom. Well, Jesus doesn't leave it. That all all are doomed. He gives us direction. He says that we cannot serve two masters. And when we serve the wrong master, God takes our messes and he extends his mercy and grace. He can take our messes and forgive them and use them to his glory. And so he calls us to respond to him. Jesus calls us to love him more than anything else in this world. And God has generously given us so much. He has blessed us beyond our needs and our wants. He has blessed us with families and possessions and houses and church buildings and relationships. And you can just add to that list. He's blessed us with the forgiveness of all our sins. He's blessed us with His Son, Jesus Christ. We have a generous and merciful God, our Master in heaven. And is it too much for Him to ask us to serve Him? Is it too much for him to ask us to not only be the stewards of all that he gives to us, but to be shrewd stewards of his assets? Shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Now Jesus knows that the temptation is that our nature will be to look after ourselves and our own selfish motives. And that's why he tells the story about the dishonest manager. 
And so Jesus says, serve him. Don't serve yourself. It's good to ensure that your future is taken care of. But your future will be damnation if you don't follow him and serve him as your only master because he is the truth, the way, and the life. If the world will look after their own well-being and their own future, how much more should the children of light manage things and ensure that theirs and others' futures is the best it could be? People, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, came down to this earth. And he reduced our debts on behalf of his master. He didn't just reduce a portion of our debts. He removed all our debts. He took the invoices of our lives and he took the whole debt upon himself. Jesus, who had no sin, became sin so that in him we may be made right before God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And that's why Jesus, he doesn't say you may not serve both God and money. He says you cannot. It's impossible to have two masters in life. And so he's calling us to follow him, to serve him only. He's calling us to act shrewdly and to change our lives before it's too late. So too often, you know, so often rather, we we think our church attendance is indicative of spiritual health. And yes, church attendance is important. It's necessary. But our checkbook, the fruit of the Spirit, what we're doing with the gospel message that's entrusted to us, These are all indicative of our spiritual health. So let's repent of our squandering of God's resources and use everything we have for God's kingdom work. If we're unable to respond using our resources shrewdly for the kingdom of God, are we then taking for granted what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ? Maybe you are giving generously and cheerfully with your finances. Great. But we all have areas to grow. What about the other resources that God gives to us? Are we stewards of his creation? Are we stewards of his word? How have we been sharing the gospel message with others? So people of God, let's intentionally ask ourselves what we're doing with all these resources, with our money, our possessions, spiritual gifts, relationships, time, energy, wisdom, intelligence, God's word. And may our master, may our God commend us for acting shrewdly with his resources. Not to our glory, but to his glory. And together we say, amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you call us to be your followers and your disciples. And you've entrusted us with so much. And we have to confess that often we value the things you give us more than we value you. We often love our money and possessions and even the blessings, even though they come from you, more than we love you and our neighbor. 
So forgive us for not always serving you as our master. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for your spirit that convicts us to turn our eyes and our hearts to you as our number one master. Help us to love you and to love one another using all our blessings for your glory and not for our own. And we pray this only in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.